One of my favorite truths about God is that He is always faithful, no matter what. But if I'm being totally honest with myself, sometimes that's hard to believe in moments that feel really tough. At the end of the day, God's Word tells me that He is the promise-keeping, grace-giving Father who longs for us to trust and follow Him. At She Reads Truth, we believe God is good and worthy of our obedience and devotion. If you're eager to learn more about why that is, you won't want to miss our newest study on the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is filled with Old Testament laws guiding a generation of Israelites on how to pursue God's holiness. Deuteronomy highlights God's love and His perfect, holy nature. Y'all, this plan begins August 23rd. That's right after we finish our This is the New Testament study. And we're going to explore what it meant for the Israelites to live as the people of God in response to His faithfulness and how we can accept God's invitation to walk in His ways. We have the opportunity to see who He really is and to share Him with the world around us. If you aren't a subscriber, you don't have Deuteronomy coming to you yet, so get your book today. Shop our Deuteronomy collection today to get 15% off your purchase with code Pod 15. That's 15% off our Deuteronomy collection at shopshereadstruth.com with code POD15. Go get this book. I can't wait to do the study with you guys. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And y'all, it is week three of This is the New Testament, and we are joined by Jennifer Lucy Tyler. Jennifer is a lot of things. She's a women's ministry leader at her church. She's a speaker, and she's the founder of something called Soul Circles, which is an online community of women who are learning to study the Bible inductively. She is doing good work, and it is so evident in this conversation. We learned from her, and we just loved getting to dive into five of Paul's letters with Jennifer. Let's just get right to it. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. I love that when we, so often it seems like when we get a guest that we haven't met before, I just love that the first conversation that we get to have with a new friend is about God's Word. That's so fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. I have been reading and studying with you guys for years now. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah, it's excellent, like blind date fodder. It's like, hey, here's what we're going to do for our first icebreaker. We're going to read. Yeah. Philippians. Let's go. I love, Jennifer, that you said that you've been reading with us for a while because it means that you also are like able to clearly see how this is kind of a different series than the way we typically approach a Bible reading plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm excited. I love how you have the supplemental verses to go with this, but it all works together and you get to see how all of Scripture just fits to tell this one big story. That's right. Amen. It's funny. It feels like typically we'll do, you know, let's say the book of Philippians over the course of two or three weeks, Mm -hmm. right? But here we are. We're going to cover it in about eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's a a very different approach. But here we are in week three of the This is the New Testament series. And last week, Kim Cash-Tate kicked us off with the first five Pauline epistles, and it was such a great conversation, and now we just kind of get to keep going. We we did a lot of framing last week about how to read a New Testament letter, kind of thinking about the context within Scripture, within the culture, and then within the, the circumstances of the writing. And so with that in mind, and friends listening, if you haven't heard that episode yet, you know, be sure and listen to that because that'll give you some framework for what we're doing here. But I want to just jump right in. Jennifer, you mentioned right before we hit record that of the five books of the Bible that we're reading this week, you have a favorite. I do. Philippians is my favorite. Right off the bat. (laughs) I love this book because it is the joy book. And it's so weird to think of it as a book of joy because Paul is literally writing it while he is in a prison cell. But the fact that he is able to encourage in such a beautiful way, um, despite his circumstances, is just so encouraging. And it also just speaks to what joy truly is. It's not based on necessarily our circumstances all of the time. It's something internal. That's right. It's wild to me that it's sort of known as the joy letter. It's like his warmest Mm -hmm. letter. 
and it is, they call it a prison epistle. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's one of his letters that he wrote literally in chains for the gospel, not just because, you know, he was wrongly accused. No, he was accused of doing the thing that he actually did, which was spreading the gospel in the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah. And I love that we get in chapter one in Philippians, he starts talking about how he could already see some of the why of his imprisonment. He's like, you know, everyone knows, I'm paraphrasing, everyone knows why I'm here. They know it's because of the gospel of Jesus. So they know about Jesus, like that even this is spreading the gospel. You know, he has that moment where he says that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard to everyone and everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Hmm. And that because of that, then other brothers are speaking even more fiercely, which is crazy because you would think that it's like, well, he's in prison, like, shush, let's quiet down so that we don't also get thrown in prison. But instead, it sounds like they were emboldened by that and kept going even more fearlessly, which is so convicting (laughs) as well. I mean, this makes me think of the persecuted church today and how Mm -hmm. Christians are being persecuted all over the world and being imprisoned and Things are happening that we don't get to hear about and how knowing that should fuel us and should embolden us even more to share the gospel. That's right. Yep. I'm so excited to be starting with Philippians. And our key verse for the book of Philippians is, it's from chapter 1, verse 21, and it is, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's an enormous statement, which is going to take some big unpacking and some context of the letter as a whole. What we know about Paul is that he was a Pharisee. like He was like the chief mm-hmm. persecutor of Christians. His name... When we meet him in the book of Acts is actually Saul, mm-hmm. and now they call him Paul, not because this was this was not like a renaming experience, mm-hmm. but this is Saul is his Roman name, Paul is his Hebrew name. So he's not renamed, they just call him Paul. He wants to be identified in that way. But the thing that I love, and it's not actually in today's reading, but I want to read it just to tee us up, because Jennifer, I want you to read our section of the key verse today. But in order to tee us up for that, I'm actually going to open my Bible to Philippians chapter 3, which is actually, it comes after, but I want to I want to give us the framework for Paul's approach here, for mm-hmm. when for him to say for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And it's from chapter three, starting in verse four. He says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law blameless, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So that's our context for mm-hmm. Paul, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, and he, you know, when he said, like, as for the church, I was a persecutor of the church. Like he was saying, like, this was what was prized. This was the thing that I was the most proud of. And so then yeah, he was the best. And later in this week's reading, he's going to call himself the worst. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He gave so his bio, actually- which is. <laughs> yeah. Here's my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> But let's go back, because I understand that was in Philippians chapter 3, but it kind of helps as we talk about this key verse. Jennifer, will you read from chapter 1, verses 20 through 26 for us? Absolutely. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Mm. 
(laughs) It's so convicting to me to hear Paul say, I know Jesus so fully that my biggest desire is to just be with him. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, on any given day, I'm like, is that the thing that I want the most Mm-hmm. Just to be with Jesus. Because if it isn't, then I'm not looking clearly at him. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of what Liz Curtis Higgs shared with us back in our one of our Old Testament episodes. And she said that when she, you know, got her like, hey, you're clear of cancer news from her doctor, her response was shucks. You know, like it was like a, it was I was it ready. Was total I gratitude, was... but I was I was kind of looking forward to seeing Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Him wanting to be with Jesus was not necessarily him just wanting to escape. It was just right. out of, I just want to be with Jesus because it's better. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. and He's better than everything. He's better than just life itself, you know, and mm. to live is to be with Christ, to live as Christ. And I just think that that is so beautiful because honestly, there are times when life gets hard and we're like, man, I just want to hurry up and go. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> right. Like, come Lord Jesus. I mean, has 2020 not unbolted us from this earth mm-hmm. <laughs> in many ways? Yeah. I'm yeah. serious. Absolutely. But I mean, it's just like you said, Amanda, this is just so convicting, so convicting uh-huh. to make sure that I want to always have that. And I don't always do. You know, I Mm -hmm. I wrestle with that. And that's something that I want to long to be with Christ more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. It's interesting to see that verse that's so familiar to us. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think we go like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is inspiring. But like... What if we like backed up and dug into like, what does he mean when he says to live is Christ? Mm -hmm. Because if to die is gain, to be with Christ, and he's saying like, that's better. When he says to live is Christ, like, I kind of wonder if what he's saying is it's to live as Christ lived. Mm -hmm. Like it's to die to self. It is like to not be highly exalted, but to, to do the hard work, to walk as a partner in Christ. It's not gain. Yeah. Not in like earthly sense. I can see that. I definitely can see that because in that moment, Paul was living and he was advancing the gospel here on earth and he was sacrificing a lot in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And we get, you know, even in that same passage as we keep going, you know, he starts talking about there's just so much encouragement, which there has to be a reason that he's giving all this encouragement, right? If he's saying things like, live your life worthy, contend together for the faith, like contending is like, Mm -hmm. you know, like fighting, like advancing. Don't be frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. And listen to this. This is verse 29. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, Mm. since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. So like, there's a lot of the underlying context of this is that like, Mm. this is not going to be easy. There are going to be those like, come Lord Jesus moments Mm. where I want to go because I want to get away from this. And it's wild to me that the gospel is so countercultural and even counter our own like flesh, right? Like yeah. our own natural selves that the phrasing here is that yes, your belief in Jesus has been granted to you by grace, but also your suffering has been granted to you. Like that's it so it's a privilege. It's a privilege to suffer for mm. the sake of Christ. And I mean that that is really not the way we talk about suffering suffering. One thing that I would love to point out that relates to our suffering is in verse 27, when he Mm -hmm. says that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together and contending, Mm -hmm. you know, is another word for struggling. And, but he is talk, he's speaking to this church and encouraging them to do this together. And, it makes me think about just the overall church and the body today. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that even last year, like we, we just talked about 2020, mm-hmm. it was so hard. But the beautiful thing was that we got to go through this together and to encourage yeah. one another. And I found myself on Zooms all day, <laughs> just mm-hmm. <laughs> encouraging other sisters and receiving encouragement during those difficult times. And that's contending together. Uh, for oh, I faith. love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's that refrain of unity that we heard it in the epistles that we studied last week in Mm -hmm. those letters from Paul, and we're going to hear it, and it just keeps going. It keeps... That's right. It's just this bell that just resounds all through the New Testament that we're one, and we can make this harder than it was meant to be in a way. You know, it's kind of how I feel like... It's kind of our specialty. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, yes, you're going to suffer in this life. Yes, this life is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. The way we respond to that is by leaning in and carrying one another instead of dividing Mm -hmm. and, you know, and further causing, causing even more suffering by causing division and, and not leaning in. But man, as we have lived this in like our recent history, it has been really clear to see and to know what unity feels like and what disunity feels like in the church. And I think that it's been, I mean, our recent past has been this wake-up call of like, what does it look like for the church to be unified? Mm -hmm. Not unified over this issue or this issue, but unified over the fact that we are the body of Christ and he is the head of the body, the church. And like the yeah. church is the hope of the world. Like, what does it look like to be unified in the church? And we've gotten like, I love Jennifer, you talking about that. Like you've had little tastes of this. Actually, you've had a lot of hope and you've seen a lot of unity. That's what I'm looking for. Can you tell us more about that? You know, I've seen a lot of unity, but it did not come without recognizing the disunity and the need for to remember that Christ is the hope of the world and to come back to that. And that has been a beautiful thing to witness, but there were times where it was difficult to maintain that. And it is difficult at times to maintain it, but we have to consistently bring each other back by pointing each other right back to our Bibles and opening up the Bible. What does God say about this? And so that helps us to maintain that unity and that hope. Yeah. It's interesting. We feel like we want to fight for unity, but so often I feel like, at least for me, the fight is actually with myself. It's internal. Like it's my heart that needs the change to feel more unified and to participate in the unity of the church. So often I want to be like, you need to be more unified. You need to be, but like, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime we start saying you need to do this, we probably should pause. Yeah, Um, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I know we need to move on to Colossians, but I want to point out one more thing, and then I think it actually ties us over to Colossians. Listen, on the same subject of what you guys are talking about, this is resonating so much, and I think it's really timely, but back in chapter one of Philippians, where he's talking about, like, hey, guys, I'm in prison. Here's what's going on. And he has this, you know, really remarkable perspective about his imprisonment. And so he's talking about that some preach Christ out of, like, false motives and some preach truly, you know, for the sake of the gospel. So he's kind of like doing this. Some do this, some do that. He says in verse 16, these preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Listen to this verse 18. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then this is where it picks up where you started reading in verse 20. My eager expectation and hope yeah. is that I won't be ashamed. Boy, the gospel I, advances in spite of us, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> it absolutely does. And if we would just remember that, like, because Paul's so good at occasionally saying, like, my goal is Christ. My goal is Christ. And so if we would just make that our mantra, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, wait, wait, wait. We disagree on so many things. That's fine. My goal is your is goal, Christ. Christ. My goal is Christ. We have the same goal. That's right. Bring it in, girls. Here we are. <laughs> you know, and he always brings us back to the main thing. Let's keep the main yes. thing the main thing. Like 
I feel like if Paul was here today, he would sign out of Twitter because it would just be too much. No <laughs> kidding. Yes. He's like, I don't know what you guys are this doing. This isn't getting me any closer to my goal. The yeah. main thing, like we can debate about all of these things, but look, let's keep Christ at the center. He is yes. why we do all we do. The gospel is going for it. Let's focus on that. Yeah. Yep. Amen. And this is what I love so much about Colossians, which is one of my favorite letters, because it gives us this crystal clear picture of who Jesus is, like mm-hmm. his divine nature. And so I love that when we're like, okay, we want to keep Christ the main thing. Who is Christ? Mm-hmm. And we're about to, he's about to tell us in Colossians. Oh, yeah. Let's, I mean, can we read this whole day? Can we read the whole book in five minutes? Um, <laughs> but yeah, do, it's so like, good. I have just so enjoyed this series, and mm-hmm. it's so neat to me that 10 weeks ago, we were looking at the first five books of the Bible. We were looking at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we're still, now that we're here in Colossians, and it's Paul, and he's talking to us about the gospel, it's just beautiful to me that we're in the same book right now. And we're talking about the gospel (laughs) that was planned from the beginning. And it's just beautiful to me because I think so often we're like, that's different, that's different. But no, 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 no. It's all the same, and it is all plan A, and it's just, it's beautiful, mm. and and Paul's role is unique, and the things that he's doing to align the church toward Christ and align us still today toward Christ, it's just beautiful, and it just, I think it also reminds each of us that we have a role in this story that, you know, it goes Genesis to Revelation, but we're still getting to participate in Christ's church. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just enjoying this so much. On to Colossians. If we can't get excited about this, yeah. then we need to do some reevaluating. We like, need we to should do, be do something different. About this. Yes. <laughs> I'm enjoying it as well. Paul has a shepherd's heart, and that's what yeah. we're seeing. He is just yeah. shepherding us, he's shepherding these churches, and we're still being shepherded today through him. Yeah. Yeah. So in Colossians, we get, he's sending another letter mm-hmm. to another church. This one's in Colossae. And he is, again, trying to crystallize, like, here is the gospel mm-hmm. so that we can know what it is and what it is not. Yeah. <laughs> because they are, again, you know, as we talked about last week, these churches are planted and growing in a culture that is not Christian. Mm-hmm. And so they really have a lot of opposition from every side. Yeah. And so these letters must just be like a lifeline mm-hmm. to them to just hear like, okay, this is what the gospel is and like help them understand. Like we have the benefit of the whole of scripture. They were just like, they had what they had, yeah. but yeah. they, you know, these moments where he's like, let me remind you who Jesus is. And for those listening who were with us this spring, we actually spent some weeks in the book of Colossians and mm-hmm. in with that, the book of Philemon. But we there are actually two podcast episodes, episodes 76 and 77, where we talked with Angie Smith and Christy Anguabuile about the book of Colossians. So if you were with us for that, you remember that Paul had never met these people. He was really mm. anxious to get to Colossae and he was hoping. get that. Yeah. But he was hoping to get to meet them and encourage them in person. But this letter, the circumstances of this particular letter are him going, like, I would love to come and be with you, but I can see that it's not going to happen anytime soon. So I'm just going to write a letter instead. And I love what's happening in your church. And how can I encourage you? That's the setting for this letter. That's so beautiful. Jennifer, could we talk you into reading again for us in Colossians 1, starting in 9? This is a longer passage, and we could take turns if we want, but we've got to at least go through 20, guys. I know. I'm sorry to tell you. I know. (laughs) It's so good. Okay, let's read. Jennifer, if you'll start us off in Colossians 1, verse 9, then I think we should go all the way through verse 23, but we'll just kind of pass the torch. How's that? Love it. Okay. Okay, that works. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that Mm -hmm. you may have great endurance and patience 
joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us Hmm. into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm just imagining being in this church gathering and this being read over you for the first time. Mm. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, okay. I'm a lucky duck. I get my favorite part. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him, all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you've remained grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Mm, this just makes me just want to just pause and just worship and just thank, it, right? just thank God for Jesus. I mean, yeah. Mm, I mean, this yes. is the gospel right here. This is. This is it. And it's just like this letter. I mean, I love that you just said, like, imagine this house church sitting down and listening to this letter read for the first time. And they're hearing not just a New Testament letter, like they're hearing Genesis, like they're hearing all of this Old Testament brought into their home. And it is just beautiful. Like the whole gospel is right there. And he says, once you were alienated and hostile and you're like, he's talking to them and they're hearing it. Mm -hmm. And he's saying like, this is for you. Yeah. It's It's so so much hope here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. To know that, wow, we were once alienated and hostile in our minds and it was expressed in our evil actions. But now, like Mm. through Christ's death, we are now holy and Mm -hmm. faultless and blameless. I mean, this is so much hope to a church who really, really needed it. Yeah, yeah. And we get, I mean, this is one of the, the themes of Colossians is that that you just pointed out, Jennifer, that like this is, it's a transformation. Put off the old self, put on the new self. And so if we are putting on Christ, Mm -hmm. then we need to know who that is that we're putting on, you know, we need to know what that means. And so the gift of this language that just happens to be so poetic, it's painful. (laughs) You know, it's so good of like who Jesus is. I mean, was there anyone who didn't have their hands raised in praise as we were reading this? I was holding my book, but I I saw you, Jennifer, me too. (laughs) It's just so, so good. I love the line that he is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. That stuck out to me today, yeah. just to think about that these people and us now, like we worship and we serve the God who created us, mm-hmm. right? But we get now an actual image mm-hmm. of this invisible God in him. And I just think like in that he's the first fruit from the dead, yes, firstborn over all creation. It's beautiful that he's going like, this is the tangible human. Yeah. If we want to know what God looks like, we can look at Jesus. Yeah. Beautiful. So good. And that we concludes have to our episode no. of the She Reads Truth podcast. I don't. I don't <laughs> thought you were saying that concludes Colossians. I'm like, I don't uh, want to. <laughs> no, but it just feels okay. like we have three more. We have three more to cover. And that's the thing is that's part of what we're intentionally doing with this study is highlighting the beauty of each book of the Bible individually and yeah. how they all fit together as a whole. So if it is making us say, oh man, now I just want to sit in in Colossians yeah. for a day, a month, a year, like 
that's part of the design is like, yeah, it is all so rich and so purposeful and it all fits together. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, so y'all can count on me to be the timeline nerd and I'm about to timeline nerd with you. Oh, good. You You haven't done that yet. So go ahead. Oh, good. It's time. At least not this episode. So here we go. That's right. Welcome to the Rachel's Timeline Hour. So we're about to go into First and Second Thessalonians, which we studied in April as a community. I think that Whitney Capps, Jonathan Pitts, Jess Connolly were our guests for those episodes. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was a good series. Um, It was a great series. The thing that I didn't even realize when we did that series is where First and Second Thessalonians fits on the timeline. First and Second Thessalonians were the second and third books of the New Testament. Oh. When they were written. For the first book of the New Testament is the book of James, in terms of like when it was written. Earlier than the Gospels. That's right. So James See, was written in AD 48. First and second Thessalonians were written in AD 50. If you had a chronological Bible, we're just like five books away from Nehemiah. Like it goes Ezra, Nehemiah, James, first and second Thessalonians. Timeline nerd. That's crazy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So here we are. So this is, but these are, all that to say, these are his first two letters. First and second Thessalonians are the first two letters that Paul wrote that are included in the canon of scripture. Okay. So now, and now we can go on. (laughs) Yeah. So the key verse that we've chosen for first Thessalonians is actually three verses, two of which are two words each. (laughs) And I love, I love this passage. It's, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that's wonderful (laughs) and beautiful, but it sits in the context of a whole letter, right? That's right. And this is another letter that is an encouragement in the midst of suffering. I mean, spoiler alert, all of these baby churches just, I mean, Jesus All persecuted churches. Jesus was just executed, yeah. You know, not that long ago. That's right. And so they are being persecuted. So that's why we're going to see this theme mm-hmm. over and over. And also because it's part of the Christian call, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. part of what it's part of our life. Since you said not that long ago, I'll open my timeline. Please and tell, tell us you how long. Seventeen years earlier. Man, wow! Only seventeen years earlier. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it also says that this letter serves to correct misunderstandings about end time events. And mm-hmm. yep. And I can imagine all of the talk that was happening about end time events during right? that season if Christ had resurrected and all of that happened just 17 years earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder has there ever been a time in history? where people weren't talking about (laughs) end-time events, you know? I mean, at some point, it's going to actually be, and who knows, maybe now, like if the Lord tarries, it'll be a little while. But it really is interesting. And so it's important. It's important to know what happens when we die. Like, what is the afterlife? What is that? And Mm -hmm. and the gospel has implications for that. Clearly, you know, eternal life. Like, okay, what does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) And so it just is so fascinating to imagine. I mean, we're going to get a lot of that in 2 Thessalonians too, but it's fascinating to imagine that Paul is having to distill a lot of this down in the form of letters and to say like, Mm -hmm. okay, I, I see that you're confused about this thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Hey friends, you know we love to open our Bibles to learn about who God is and who we are in Him. Well, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a story about radically and tangibly caring for the people around us. This story of countercultural love is the inspiration behind an organization I wanna tell you about today called Samaritan's Purse. So Samaritan's Purse is an international relief organization with a commitment to love and help people all across the globe in times of crisis. And they do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Samaritan's Purse rushes in to help victims of floods and tornadoes and other disasters in the United States and around the world. They also provide medical care, clean water, children's heart surgeries, and other life-changing aid. So like the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, 
every one of us has the opportunity to show the love of Christ to those around us and around the world, sharing the gospel and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So here's what you can do. Go to SamaritansPurse.org slash truth to find out how you can get involved with this incredible ministry and to see the beautiful testimonies of what God is doing through them. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash truth. So yeah, let's go back to our key verses and read them in context. Jennifer, if you wouldn't mind reading for us again, let's do like 1 Thessalonians 5, maybe starting in 12 and going through 22 this time. That'll put it right in the middle. Okay, great. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Man, that's a lot. There's a lot of instruction right there. there. It is. It is. I mean, and some really countercultural instruction, like that line that says, "See to it (laughs) that no one repays evil for evil to anyone." That is not the way the culture was at that time. It's not the way the culture is at this time. It wasn't because it it was an eye for an eye. That's exactly right. But it is a distinct mark of a person Mm -hmm. who follows Christ, that they wouldn't be seeking personal retaliation. It was shocking and unimaginable. But what they're saying is like, no, no, no. Like, let's live a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much countercultural in this. I mean, the comforting the discouraged, helping the weak, being patient with everyone. Like, everyone? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Everyone? Yeah. All of that is so countercultural, but it yeah, it takes the Lord within our hearts and understanding the gospel and receiving that for us to be able to do that. These are things mm-hmm. that the church could not do in their own strength. Mm-hmm. They needed the yeah. Lord's help to do that. Yeah, I love that the very next verse, 23, after where you stopped reading, Jennifer, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can't do all of this. Like it's the God of peace himself is sanctifying us. That is an ongoing work. Mm-hmm. The work of sanctification, it comes from the God of peace. That's yeah. right. Ooh, I just feel so like this, this whole passage, it makes me just need to like lace up my steel toe boots. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like it just steps on my toes repeatedly. Like, the rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything, but even stay away from every kind of evil. Yeah. Don't stifle the spirit. Yeah. I was like, I don't, have yeah. I just never read that part? Yeah. Because I truly, yeah. I mean, that is one verse. It's a whole verse, 19. Mm-hmm. Don't stifle the spirit. Well, I don't, what does that mean? And I'm sure I do that. Mm-hmm. And, what do you do so that you don't do that? Like, yeah. how do I do the opposite of that? Yeah. You know, listen and you just... What does it look like to stay away from every kind of evil? Yeah. I mean, not just in our public lives, but in our private lives. Like, what does our Netflix account look like if we're staying away from every kind of evil? I told you to put well, on your steel toe per- That's too personal. I'm just saying. Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, right? help us. But like, what does it look like to walk as a believer in the presence of God. Yeah. I saw you say on Instagram, Jennifer, recently that your prayer was to have thick skin and a soft heart. Yeah. And like, I think having a soft heart is part of that. Like that, like, what does it look like to not stifle the spirit? It's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, (laughs) Um, And I said thick skin because the world can make us callous. It can make us Mm -hmm. want to be impatient or Mm -hmm. to repay evil for evil and all of those things. And to Mm -hmm. not stifle the spirit, I think is also to just be, and I'm not sure if this is it, but I believe that it's to be sensitive 
to the Holy Spirit um, right. and allowing the Holy Spirit to shape us and guide us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will, he gives us those internal warnings when we are doing something that is evil, when we're walking into mm-hmm. a kind of evil, as the verse 22 says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even as we, before we started recording this episode, like you were like, yeah, I read through all of this and prepared. I also prayed through this and trying to be like sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is, is teaching us. Now he's leading us in this. And I mean that, but that I think is an illustration for how we have to walk through our Christian life is that we can prepare and we should, like we study our Bibles. We, mm-hmm. we gather together. We try to obey, <laughs> you know, and obey yeah. the Lord and to rejoice, to pray, to give mm-hmm. thanks, to do these things. But ultimately like there's that. And mm-hmm. there is the reliance on the Holy Spirit to help us move and live and have our being in right. him. Yeah. And, Ugh, and Second Thessalonians carries us straight into Second Thessalonians, which is really just a follow-up to the first letter. Yeah. Same audience, same author, of course, but it's just further clarification on how to live the Christian life. In Second Thessalonians, as the first edition, <laughs> addresses, you know, what happens after we die. Yeah. Those types of things, which we again yeah. talked about so much in our more at length podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stay high level on these. <laughs> I'll read for us the context of our key verse for Second Thessalonians yeah. from chapter three, starting in verse one. Paul says, In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. That last verse was the key Mm -hmm. verse. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. And that's like if we're saying that's our theme verse for Second Thessalonians. Okay, that's what's happening here. It's him saying, like, keep going. Enduring is a key word here. And then, of course, it is not about our endurance, but what is it about? Christ's endurance. Yeah. The ESV uses the word steadfastness. Yeah, and okay. verse 3 of that, it says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen uh-huh. you. And exactly. it's just a reminder that we get our strength from him. We get our endurance from him. Like it all comes from him. It's this like exhortation to do the thing that they're not capable of doing and followed with a reminder that there is someone who can and does and is. Yeah. And practically, how does that Mm -hmm. look? How would we allow the Lord to direct our hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance? Mm -hmm practically, how does that look? And as I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, I mean, in today's culture, I would say just prayer, being in the scriptures and communion with the Holy Spirit and asking him for to strengthen us and to help us to endure in those moments, inviting him in, because we can't endure without him and remembering and reflecting on the cross. And how he endured, that right there helps us to endure. Yeah. And keeping, looking to, there's so much talk of, you know, Jesus coming and eternal life and glory, like looking to that, that should spur us on and not just, Mm -hmm. not just in like, I'm ready now for that to go from that to there. But I mean, there is that longing, but there's also this, because I know that's what's ahead of me, I can endure this now. It's that momentary affliction verse that Mm -hmm. we can, in this whole story, we're talking about the whole story of scripture, right? And in this whole story, my suffering is real. Mm-hmm. And it is painful. It is momentary. Mm. And it is not And it is for his eternal. glory. And it is That's right. And it's for my good somehow. Yeah. Somehow, because of the gospel, it is for my good. Yeah. Even if you can't see it. And that Man. is usually you can't. That is the reminder. It is for yeah. my good and for his glory. And guess what? It doesn't mean that this isn't hard, but I can't do this alone. Right. I can't endure alone. Mm-mm. I need him and I need to mm-hmm. focus on the fact that this is temporary. 
Yeah. Which is, you know, we didn't even have it in our Philippians reading this week because there were so many things to choose from, but Philippians 4.13, like he's, this is Paul's prison letter and he's talking about, he's in prison and he's got the joy and he says in Philippians 4.13, that classic verse that we mm-hmm. all know and often take out of context, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. But this is what you guys, Amanda and Jennifer, are talking about. That's the thrust. Like, that's the heart of what mm-hmm. Paul is saying there. That's the thing he's doing. That, that's the thing he that can do. That my suffering is, is for my good and for that's God's right. glory. I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure anything. I can endure. I can that's walk right. out this suffering mm-hmm. because Christ is strengthening me. Man. Which is just this theme through all of these letters. Last week, we talked about this. This week, it's in our weakness. He's strong. Yeah. In the first part of that verse, may the Lord direct your hearts to God's love. Like remembering, mm. okay, this whole story from Genesis to Revelation is a story of love and redemption right. and restoration and pursue uh, pursuit. It's a God who pursues our hearts mm-hmm. and His love for us. Yes, it's for His glory, but that the fact that it's for His glory, you know, we in human terms, to us, that like negates love. But because He's God, it mm-hmm. can be, it can and should be for His glory, but it doesn't diminish That's right. His love for us. Like it's both things to full measure. Yeah. It hurts my, I'm rubbing my temples. <laughs> it hurts, <laughs> it hurts my brain. You know, yeah. we won't get to Hebrews until next week, but I want to read for us from Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, because it feels really relevant to yeah. that. The author of Hebrews, who is unknown to us, we don't know who the author is, says, I think I know. I'm just kidding. I'm going to say that every time, but it's not true. I don't know. I have my hunch. Go ahead. The author says, (laughs) Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let Mm -hmm. us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of (laughs) our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Ooh, that just like got me, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, I've read it lots of times, but it it's got me. This such time. a beautiful reminder. I often say and encourage my sisters in this, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Yeah. Because if we're preaching the gospel to ourselves, we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're reminding yeah. ourselves of that endurance and Mm -hmm. that love and Mm -hmm. that right there. I mean, it's so beautiful. And that's what keeps us just preaching the gospel to myself. That's right. And each other, like as the body of Christ, just reminding each other of what is true. Okay. As we go on to our last book for the week. I see you've opened your timeline again. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) noticing. One more timeline interlude with Rachel. Here's the things that you'll need to know about 1 Timothy. But before that, there's one other like really interesting extra biblical note about the timeline that was so interesting to me. So our best guess, not just Rachel and Amanda's best guess, but like scholarly best guess. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Is that the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus was around about AD 33. The city of London was founded in AD 43. Only 10 years later. Huh. So like we've talked about like the, the importance of remembering where we are on the biblical timeline, but that the biblical timeline is within the world timeline because this mm-hmm. is stuff that actually happened, yeah. right? I mean, Paul and Barnabas were serving together in Antioch right around the time that the city of London was founded, just so that we're clear on what's happening in the world stuff at this time. Happening. But First Timothy is written around the same time that the Gospel of Matthew was written, as well as a couple of other letters from Paul. He also, at that time, right around that time, wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Titus. So these are like his last grouping of letters, kind of all happening in the like 60s. In the 60s. Okay. (laughs) Not the 60s we would normally think of. Yes, but the 60s AD. And 1 Timothy, man. like... Again, world history, 16 years after Paul wrote First Timothy, Pompeii was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius. That's where we are. Fun fact. In the world. 
You guys, you're going to laugh, but this is going to be helpful to our (laughs) listeners. They're going to love Timeline Talk with Rachel. To be clear, I am not (laughs) laughing at, I derive joy from the joy that you get from the Timeline. I think think it's amazing just to place ourselves in that history and know what is happening. I'm just going to scooch my glasses up my nose like a little (laughs) nerd, but I love it. I love it. So 1 Timothy, though, this is, again, a Pauline epistle which Mm -hmm. is another way of saying Paul's letters. A letter that Paul wrote. A letter that Paul wrote. And this one is to Timothy, Mm -hmm. his son in the faith. Mm -hmm. I love Timothy. Yeah, you really do. I do love Timothy. Do you, Jennifer? Rachel has had a longstanding love for these books. I was going to say, after Philippians, 1 Timothy would be one of like my next fave. Yeah, yeah. So what is it about? Tell us, like, what is it about 1 Timothy? that get you? I am very passionate about sound doctrine. And I just love the passion in which he encourages Timothy, his son in the faith about Mm -hmm. these things. And also, so I just loved the fact that Paul was encouraging his co-labor and he was encouraging him in all of the necessary things. But talking about having humble leadership. And that's really, really important for any leader to remember. Yeah, that's right. And first and second Timothy are the last two letters that Paul writes. And so, which is why I have this like really special affection. We'll talk about it next week for second Timothy chapter four, which is his last teeny bit of his last letter. But all of this that we're going to get in these last two books, he's sort of passing the mantle in a sense. He's just kind of going like, guard this, like this matters Mm -hmm. so much that all the false teachers are going to come and all the itching ears are going to be hungry for something new. Preserve what is true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read this for us. And then I want to hear you girls keep talking about it because I love your passion for this book. First Timothy one, the key verse is 15, but I'm going to start in 12. I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. Hmm. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here's our key verse, 15. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received a mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. <laughs> so here we go with uh, like Paul was, my resume is the best. But I am the worst, and Jesus saved me. Man, I identify. This is why I love Paul That's so much. Testimony. I, yeah. I love the testimony that comes from him. Yeah. I'm not going to get into my testimony, but he reminds me of just myself in so many ways. Just yeah. it was definitely the Lord's out of mm-hmm. his mercy and his love to be able to save me. And that's something that. I think about often. And even though, you know, I was saved in 2004, I still Mm. reflect on those pre-Jesus years and just his love for me. And just reading this and hearing Paul's testimony is just, man, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst of them. Like, I just identify with that so much. And I'm sure some of your listeners may be feeling like, man, I am the worst of them. I have to clean myself up in order to receive this precious gift. And absolutely not. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, you don't we can't clean ourselves up. We need him to come into our lives. And so this is just such a beautiful testimony. and, And he just shares this beautiful gift. Yeah. 
It really is. It really is a gift. His testament, like having that testimony is a gift. And then having all of this, you were talking about sound doctrine in First Timothy 4, have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Like mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about Twitter. Like, have nothing, <laughs> you know, we were like, Paul wouldn't have had any patience for Twitter. Have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Yeah. For the training of the body has limited benefit. It doesn't say has no benefit. It has limited benefit, mm-hmm. but godliness is beneficial in every way mm-hmm. since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I mean, that makes me think of Ooh. Solomon and Ecclesiastes. We like to liken Solomon and Paul because they're both these guys who kind of had it all and then realized that that was not what they wanted at all. But for him, you know, for him to say that the training of the body has limited benefit, but here's the thing that means everything, mm-hmm. it's Ecclesiastes all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I also see, I mean, as we're like looking at these key verses and like doing this flyover, it's really helpful for me to draw other connections. This key verse really, when I was studying and preparing for this, reminded me of the Luke key verse that says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. This theme of Jesus as friend of sinners is strong both in the book of Luke and then again here in Timothy and through all of Scripture. Yeah. But for him to say that... Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. It was interesting to see Luke echoed in 1 Timothy. I'm thinking about this importance of sound doctrine and that passion that you have, Jennifer, for sound doctrine. And I'm thinking about this that Paul said and that you just said about Jesus, that Jesus is a friend of sinners, and how we really, we, Amanda, the church, all of us, who follow Jesus, like, we have a hard time having both of those things. (laughs) Like, if we're Mm. like, I'm a doctrine girl, or I'm a, like... guardian of the sound doctrine. Right. But also, like, I'm a friend of sinners. And it's just like how... But what we see modeled in Jesus, doctrine mattered to Jesus. Yeah. He embodied it, right? He was doctrine. He embodied theology. And what we see in Paul is both. Like, it's so fascinating. I think what we also see is grace and knowing that even as he is just as passionate about sound doctrine, there is a reminder and a humility in knowing that I was once far off as well. I'm the worst of sinners and it is only by God's grace that I've come into the knowledge of the truth. Mm. And I think in today's culture, when it comes to being passionate about theology and sound doctrine, we must always remember that it's the Lord that Mm. has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. He's given us the ability to recognize truth. And he's the one who birthed the passion for sound Mm -hmm. doctrine and theology. And so that should help us to give even more grace and be a friend to sinners as Jesus was and knowing that it is only by his grace that we're here. Man, Man, I hadn't made that connection before you guys, but I think you're right, Amanda, that we often tend to or, or sometimes want to divorce sound doctrine from evangelism. Like it's one or mm. the other. But what we're seeing here is like, no, 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 that's And Paul's life is a great example of, yeah. no, 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 like that's the thing that motivates me. Sound doctrine is the thing that motivates me toward mm-hmm. evangelism and toward being a friend of sinners. I'm going on missionary journeys. Hmm. And yeah. It's going to be messy. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that for the sake of preserving the gospel, preserving the good thing that's been entrusted to me. Yeah, because it's a good thing. It's yeah. good news. Yeah, And it's worth sharing, not just storing up and getting right and locking it up. Yeah, the getting right part. <laughs> Man, we really, we really want that, don't we? But we, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Jennifer, thank you. I just, I want to just keep going. This is where we find ourselves at the end of every one of these conversations. Mm -hmm. We're like, but now we have to stop. But you were just so generous with sharing your, like, your heart and your wisdom um, and your knowledge of these books of the Bible. Thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm. You are a co-laborer in the gospel that you point women to the Bible and help them learn to study and grow Mm -hmm. together. And I'm just cheering you on. It is an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you ladies for having me on, but also for what you do. And I just want to encourage you to just keep going. Mm -hmm. You never know who's there just listening and receiving. 
Let's That's endure, right. gang. That's right. Jesus at the center, all hands in the middle. Here we go. One, yeah. two, three. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends listening, I mean, this is, I mean, we have two episodes left in this 12-week-long series. I can't believe we're here where we are. I want to encourage you guys, if this has been helpful to you, if you have a book, you probably have one of these cards in your book, you should. There are little insert cards in your study books, one for the Old Testament book and one for the New Testament that has all of the key verses in one place. And that is not for you to keep in your study book. You can use the bookmark for now, but stick that in your Bible and Mm -hmm. carry that with you and keep that with you. But beyond that, we actually created the team here at the office created these key verse cards. It's an entire set where each card is one of the key verses. And it's something that our family has used over the last several years since the Sherry's Truth Bible came out. It's a way to either memorize those verses or to begin to learn and draw connections between what's happening in each book of the Bible. And so you're able to kind of identify, put books of the Bible in order. It's just this really cool biblical literacy tool that I would encourage you guys to check out. You can find that in the show notes as well. But all of these resources, we would be disappointed if it ended with you hearing this episode. Yeah, We want this episode to just thrust you into the week. I mean, yeah, springboard is a better word than thrust. I'm sorry. (laughs) But we want you to be a woman in the word of God every day this week. And we hope that our conversation today with Jennifer has just made you excited to read the actual readings this week, along with the community and to dig into these books of the Bible and not just be a woman in the word of God this week, but every day. Every day. So anyway, that's my little like, hey, encouragement pep talk for y'all because I love it. This is good stuff. Next week, we have Jess Thompson coming to chat 2 Timothy through James with us. And then following that, David Filson is coming back to cap off the series with us, which we're super excited about. It's going to be great, you guys. Just keep going. I know it's a long series, but you can do it. And until we come back, until next time, Jennifer, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.